I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, today, I'm here with Quentin D'Souza. Quentin uh, is a former teacher. Um, he is now a award-winning real estate investor and trusted authority on real estate investing. Um, a, a lot of interesting things here in the, in the bio, Quentin. I, I really thank you for coming on the podcast, first of all. Oh, no problem. Not, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And so what I'd love to start with is if, if you can just kind of share your uh, share your story with the audience and, and we'll, we'll get into your background and then we'll kind of take it wherever it goes from there. Uh, sure. I'll do like the 10,000 foot view. Right. So this uh, I started in 2004, um, bought a property. It was uh, pre-construction, uh, sold it in 2008 and thought, wow, this is a great thing to do. <laughs> and uh, then we um, we started to buy three, four properties a year um, in 2008. By 2013, I had created enough um, passive income through my and there's nothing passive about uh, long-term rentals, but there was, uh, you know, that that income that was coming off of the portfolio every month. It was about five thousand dollars a month at the time, and it allowed me to quit my job as a teacher. I was a teacher in the public school system, and a teacher in our public school system is very different than. Uh, so I'm from Canada. I'm from Ontario. I was actually making six figures in my job. I was also a consultant at the board and I have a master's in ed and they were grooming me to get into administration. So vice principal, uh, principal, et cetera. And um, in 2014, I left. I focused on my real estate or my my real estate uh, full time and to become a professional investor. And I've continued to grow that I've uh, bought and uh, started off in 2015 buying apartment buildings with partners and continued to grow that. Now we're uh, actually, I just got a 92 unit under contract and uh, we have uh, close to 400 units already. And in our market, that's quite uh, like our cost per door is much higher. It's close to 80 million in assets. Uh, I own about 50% of that. Um, a little bit higher than 50% actually, and uh, continue to, to grow my real estate portfolio that way. Um, I'm a book author and, you know, just, I enjoy sharing knowledge with people. I still have that teacher in me. So uh, it, it's something that I appreciate that, you know, we have the ability to make so much improvements in our lives and you know, if we can start off with some some good education, that really helps to to put us in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's it's kind of actually a few things you said that are interesting to me. Just um, as someone in in Canada, first of all, the timing of your your sort of real estate journey uh, in the U.S. around two thousand eight that was a a pretty bad time to get into real estate investing. Um, did did Canada? experienced the same sort of great recession that, that we did? 
We did, but not to the uh, same extent. So we had the same type of mortgages, uh, not the um, the uh, ninja ninja loans, but we did have 100% financing on uh, investment properties, um, and we did have uh, you know low low down payments and lots of uh, more you know. Um, what we would call self-declared income type of loans, but not to the extent as it that was, was happening in the US. And we did have uh, uh, a recession and we did have a downturn in our housing uh, market. So it, it, it was, you know, it was actually a great time uh, to, to invest in real estate for me. And I wish I had picked up a lot more than I did at the time, but I think everybody says that who invests in real estate. So it's right. not something new. <laughs> always wish you could go back in time and buy, buy more assets at that point. Um, yep. that's, that's great. And I mean, also, also sort of interesting to hear, uh, that seems that the profession of being a teacher is, is maybe more valued in Cal or in Canada than it is in the U S in terms of, salary and uh upward mobility and things like that so um yeah maybe something something to consider for teachers that are listening that there might be a, a better a better way to go but you so when you uh you started out with with single family homes right and then and then mm -hmm. you said you transitioned to apartment complexes in in 2015 maybe talk a little bit about how you made that switch you know sort of how that how that looked for you yeah, I mean, I, I did all kinds of strategies. So 2008, uh, 2000, uh, when the, the mortgage financing kind of switched up from what I was able to get before, I was like, well, how can I replicate the same sort of returns that I was getting without having to put as much down? So I was doing uh, what most people call the Burr strategy uh, now. I, I did not have that name back then. It, it's been rebranded, but I was doing that back in 2008. 2010 and um, I was taking on partners while doing it so everybody was making a good return and my partners would reinvest in in future projects I've had partners back since 2009 who still uh, are partners with me today and um, what ends up happening is that you know that rolls like I, I end up with a, a you know uh, have that cash flow at the end of the month because all of those properties cash flowed um, and um, I was able to create that uh, income that gave me the security to leave my job. I actually didn't, I could have left my job in 2013, but I actually bankrolled my cash flow or sorry, I bankrolled my paycheck and used my cash flow for my property for a whole year before I actually uh, quit. And my kids were really young at the time. You know, they were probably five and two, and um, it was it was pretty stressful to to make that change. And you know, my wife supported me like making the change because it was you know moving from security to insecurity. But being able to show the whole year of you know gave her confidence as well, and 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 it just snowballed after that. You know, and what happened and what I found was that. Um, Oh, and I wrote a book on that whole process too, like uh, on the buy, fix, refinance, and rent. Right. Um, and anyways, the um, back in 2015, I I saw that um, it was it was great to have the income that was coming, but I wasn't building wealth fast enough for for my taste. 
So I decided to start buying uh, small apartment buildings. And what I found was that the cash flow from the building wasn't as much as I was getting from even like a, like, so it was a six unit building. I was making more money on a duplex than I was on the six unit building. But what I didn't realize at the time was that it's not really the cash flow as much as the refinance. That's the power of the, um, the small apartment buildings. And so I decided to focus on net worth a little bit more rather than cash flow. But what ended up happening is I got both with the apartment buildings. So, um, you know, in a few years, like in three years, I was able to refinance the building, um, pay back myself from the initial, and then continue to cash flow even better because the loans were better, the rents were higher, and um, I was able to do that again in the same building. So I was getting, instead of getting like more cash flow per month, I get a larger amount of cash on a refinance that kind of comes out all at the same time. And our, our laws in Ontario for the landlord tenant board are like more stringent than California laws, if you can believe it. When I tell people that, you know, usually they're, you know, that's insane. But yeah, it is. It's crazy. We are pretty stringent here. So that's, yeah. that's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, it, somewhere else. Yeah, I've, I've written two books on property management and, and filling vacancies for the Ontario market where I'm at. And yes, it is. It's very, uh, it's very challenging. But what that gives us is a strong appreciating market. And if you can get good cash flow in a strong appreciating market, what happens is that, you know, that net worth and the wealth effect is, is like, uh, um, it's exponential. Right. And, and so that's what ends up happening with the apartment buildings and why I, the kind of long winded way of why I, I got into it, because it was that, you know, short form, it's like, you know, one is cash flow, the other is like having a piggy bank. And those apartment buildings are like a piggy bank and they just grow that net worth a lot faster, but you don't necessarily can't access the, the cash as easily. Right. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, that's actually a great you know, kind of point in terms of, you know, people, people say, you know, oh, I'm a cash flow investor, or I'm an appreciation investor or whatever, but it, it really doesn't have to be either or, right? You're, I mean, you're, you're a perfect example of that. And, and especially if you're not, you know, if you've left the W2 job, and you're a full-time real estate investor, you've got to have some of it be cash flow, even if you're playing for appreciation so that you have essentially money to pay the bills. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's kind of being in a um, high appreciation market. It, it, you've, you've got to kind of work that strategy so that it, it, you know, can, can make sense for you. But yeah, if you're, if you're able to pull out money and I, I mean, I don't know about Canada, but here it, a, a refinance is, is a non-taxable event. So essentially you're getting all that money back without having to pay, pay the taxes on it here. I, I don't, it, is that the same in Canada? Uh, it, it can be it just depends I'm not an accountant and I don't want to give any tax advice but like uh, it can be it depends on what you offset it against you have to be careful like we have the CRA which I would not want to like I, I try to stay out of all the gray area but um, it's definitely a benefit of being able to do it particularly if you're reinvesting those into to other uh, projects and continue to to, to grow right um, I, I have properties in the U.S. as well, and uh, you have so much more opportunities to deduct your uh, income against your assets because you have like 
you know, different types of uh, depreciation that you can take up front versus, you know, over time, which is what ends up happening in, in, in Canada more. So uh, some of my projects in the U.S. have been a lot more um, it, beneficial for me from a tax perspective um, than, than in Canada, but I find my yield is higher in Canada than it is in the U.S. So it just depends on the, on the project and, and what I'm doing. But, um, you know, I, I think that there, I think that what's really important is that anybody takes the opportunity to, to, we live in amazing countries, like just amazing countries with so much opportunity. I mean, I, our family came to Canada as new immigrants. We, we came with nothing, right? Like, and, you know, um, my, my parents worked hard. Um, you know, they, they had different types of jobs that, that kind of helped to support us, but um, ultimately us kids here have the op opportunity to do amazing things, whatever we want, right? And that's not the same as the, the countries that, that, are, that are out there. And if we can remember that and, and make sure that we take advantage of that, I think then, you know, there's ultimately like anything that we can do. So it's pretty, it is uh, amazing the opportunities that we have. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that, you know, sometimes uh, we, we take that for granted that it's, you know, it, it's easy to find excuses that why you can't do something or, you know, have limited limiting beliefs, but, but the reality is that the opportunities are, are quite amazing here in, in uh, the US and it sounds like Canada as well. Um, do, so interesting that you have, you know, properties in both countries. Mm -hmm. Are there, you know, maybe a few differences that stand out to you that you could maybe talk about? Because I, I think it, it's interesting to me in the sense is, you know, maybe uh, maybe I or someone might want to invest in Canada. Like, is it like how how that would look, uh, you know, from a from a difference perspective? Yeah, so like the, there is lots of differences uh, between the U.S. and Canada, particularly on the loan side of things, like the way that loans work in the U.S., you have a 30-year a term. The longest term you would probably get in Canada is five years, although they do have 10-year terms. It's unusual for anybody to take a 10-year term on anything. Um, the rates are lower, which you would have, like, especially in apartment buildings, I find that even agency debt in, in the US is higher than agency debt in Canada equivalent. So for example, you might get like a Freddie Mac mortgage at 3.25%, the same debt in Canada would be 1.25, right? Um, on an apartment building, similar you know, asset, similar uh, asset class area, all of that sort of stuff. Cap rates can be pretty similar um, depending on the type of area that you're looking at. So if you're in a secondary market um, is where I would focus or a tertiary market even, um, you, what you find is that like cap rates are very similar between the two. Like you're looking at four or five, somewhere around there. Um, if you get into the, the larger markets, the cap rate is a little higher in, in um, the larger MSAs in the US as opposed to Canada. Um, from uh, what's more interesting about the debt in the US is you can do a lot, especially on larger buildings, you can do interest only, which is something that does not happen in Canada often. You would have to go with a private lender to be able to do that. You couldn't get agency debt that's uh, interest only in Canada, just 
doesn't happen. So um, what that does is it pushes up the cash on cash return in the US because you're not getting the mortgage pay down component. Um, I find a lot of operators in the US will offer like a, you know, a, let's say a six to 10% cash on cash, but really that's because there's no mortgage pay down that's happening. Uh, if you look at our portfolio, like we probably put put down 1.2, I think I calculated it about a month ago, 1.2 million a year is our mortgage pay down. That's huge, right? Like that that's just a component of our return. Whereas you may not see that in a project, but it's part of the repositioning pro uh, process in the, in the US. So, you know, cap rates are similar, debt is, is cheaper, and that's where you kind of see the difference in the, in the two. Um, yeah, there's a lot of other, I mean, Oh man, it, it, it was an experience like expanding to the US for me, particularly because it was, I was like starting again, um, especially with relationships. But, um, you know, over time, it, 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 it is good. And the, one of my big challenges is that I'm a foreign national, right? Um, investing in the US and, and debt becomes a, a bit of a challenge. So for me, it's more important to have uh, partners that are Americans that can kind of help with that that and I also can't use my net worth I have a, a good net worth in in Canada but I can't use that for for um for the U.S. right so uh because somebody who is lending to me money in the U.S. they can't access that net worth because I'm in a different country right so um there's there's a lot of different challenges but um, you know, and, and it all depends on what you want to do and what you're trying to get out of it, right? Uh, for me, the reason why I invest in the U.S. is because I want to hedge against the Canadian economy. I, um, I, I like Florida in particular because that's where we tend to, to, to go down and visit. So it's easy for me to look at my assets down there and, and write it off. Also, it's, you know, every time we go on vacation, we spend US dollars. So it's, uh, it's not a, you know, it's a great, great way to create a, a, like a business and a machine that's throwing that off to help us to pay for all of that. So there's, there's a lot of benefits from, from it. I could go on and on. So you gotta, you gotta stop me on this. Oh, no, I like it. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to stop you. I, no, I definitely like it. It's actually very, very interesting. You know, so if it's great that the interest rates are lower in Canada, but if you're ha if you only have a five year, you're talking five year amortization total. No, no, uh, the amortization would be like so, and, and this is okay. So there are a few other things. This I'm talking specifically about multifamily. Okay, yeah. um, all right. So there, that's that's big difference. So you can get a 30-year amortization. You can get a 35-year amortization. If you're doing a new build with the agent, the equivalent of agency debt, you could get even 40-year amortization, although it's very rare. Also, uh, what happens is you can get um, a higher loan-to-value in Canada than you can in the US on multifamily assets. So you can also go up to like 85% LTV, whereas it's unusual to see that you may get like 80%, most likely 75% in, in the US. Um, so there is, there is 
opportunities to do that. You also have way a, a lot, a lot more lenders in the US than you do in Canada, right? Um, we have national banks, we have credit unions, and then we really have private lenders and, you know, different types of institutions like that. Whereas in the US, you have a lot of private banks and uh, local private banks, which give you more opportunity to, to borrow. Um, so there's there's a lot of differences on the side. But yes, you can get um, the amortization would be very similar to the US. Just the term of the mortgage is shorter, right? So like you can get a 30 year term in the US. There's, there's no like I've got a 30 year term in the US for my debt, right? There's no way in my portfolio yeah in the us in in tampa right but uh in uh in canada the longest term i have is five years and i don't even want five-year debt I, I i usually get one-year debt or variable which allows me to to get out of uh an, an asset uh sooner okay so when you're saying so do you have a 30-year term on multifamily in the us yeah, uh, it's actually a portfolio loan on uh, on uh, multiple properties. So that because I'm a foreign national, they they just the the LTV sucks for me. Like it's at like a sixty five percent LTV, uh, but it allowed me to just to blanket a, a few properties and then access those funds again to reinvest in other projects. So it's a, it's a little different, but it's a 30 year term that in, and then it depreciates the penalty depreciates. So after five years, I could get out of that debt and do something else. Right. If I needed to. Okay. Okay. Very, very interesting. I, I think uh, it, it's, I mean, I, you know, we, we, a lot of people, especially in commercial real estate are, are investing, you know, sort of, outside of their local market, right? A lot of people are, are sort of that doing that long distance investing thing, but uh, you know, yeah, cross, cross countries, it, it takes a whole different, a whole different meaning, a whole different uh, set of, of, as you said, you, it was like starting over again. So um, very, very, very interesting, but unfortunately Florida is a very hot, hot market. So it, it's probably, probably going well for you. Has um, been. Yeah. <laughs> One of the, the things that I, I find very interesting when I'm uh, interviewing people is, you know, sort of the, the background. It seems like a lot of real estate investors were some other profession, uh, either before they were real estate investing or even still, uh, you know, some, some of us are doing sort of both. And, and so maybe, um, you know, you've written some books, talk about how that, you know, sort of teacher mentality translates to what you're doing now? Well, a lot of the time I have to explain uh, difficult concepts and I use a lot of metaphor to do that. And that comes from my teaching background. Um, also just working with different people who are at different age levels, you know, and being able to, to adjust what I'm doing depending on who I'm talking to. So that that's helped quite a bit. Um, you know, and the books are just me like helping to bring people up with me. I, I always feel like uh, it's my job to, to help people like where I came from to help other people come up as well, right? We always wanna give everybody a help, helping hand and that's part of that, that teaching uh, part of me. You know, I've, I put the books together and, and they're on Amazon and, you know, it's an opportunity, I think, to be able to share some of the templates, the, 
concepts that have really helped me over my life and um you know put that out there it also like selfishly it um it helps me to create artifacts like in this life you know there you can't just have something digital that's out there I think like for me I like that I have books I've got four books a fifth book coming out too and they're actual artifacts out there in the world that somebody can pick up and, and have and I can pass on to my kids right and if my kids want to to do and I want them to choose what they want to do um, but if they choose to do that I want to give them a path to be able to do it and this is the way for them to to be able to do the same things i talk about strategy like buying fixing refinancing or renting i talk about the management piece on it and then the action taker real estate investing planner that's all about planning the whole process i i, I share how i do my 10-year goals how i work on um you know my net worth twice a year just uh, doing that. Uh, look at all my income streams. I, I show up my quarterly planning. I don't do annual planning. I do 90 day planning and my weekly planning. I put all the templates in the book, you know, and, and that's all part of the teaching, right? It, it, when you look at the, the action taker real estate planner, it, it really is um, half book uh, teaching you how to use the planner. And it's really about doing. Um, I'm uh, like the, what happens to a lot of people is they get stuck in the concept or they get stuck stuck in the numbers, but they they don't get out and do. And so the planner, the idea behind the planner, it's what I used when I was coaching people. I, I gave them all these templates to use and, and my job was to help them to use them because it forced them into action. And, um, and so that's, that's the idea behind that. And that's where that teaching aspect comes into, into play, right? Um, I was, I was an award winning teacher, actually, in, in my previous life. So, which was kind of, it's kind of neat that um, that's now translating into some of the, the things that I produce for other real estate investors to, to go out and use. And, um, you know, so it does translate well into what I'm doing. And even when I'm working with partners, like just like being able to explain to them the concepts it works well and, and being patient because uh, although as I get older, I'm not as patient <laughs> as I used to be, but, um, but I've got the, the, I've got the privilege of having a, a lot of people that I've worked with in the past. And usually I can just connect them with new people and that makes it a little bit easier to work with. But um, yeah, that, that teaching has come in into play quite, quite a bit. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm putting content out there more. I'm working on a, a podcast, uh, getrealwealthy.com. This is something that I'm trying to, to get out there, but um, and, uh, you know, I like sharing what I've done too, and hopefully inspire other people. Right. Um, so that's and the idea of going on podcasts is a one way for me to, to be able to do that, right. Get the message out why everybody should be investing in real estate and whether you, I, I don't care if you do it with me or you learn it from somebody else, the key is to go out and do it, like take the action and do it. I'm not special. I'm not like anybody who's, you know, um, super well known, but you know, I've made a great uh, life out of this life as where I'm at right now. And you know, the way that I've been able to do that is through um, leveraging real estate investing to do that. And, uh, and I think everybody should have that as a component of whatever financial plan they have. 
right? And um, so that's that's kind of my message out there, and, and one of my my whys. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with with everything you said in terms of just yeah, you just you just need to do it, and and realistically, I think everyone should be doing it, whether you're actively investing or passively investing. It is it is the way to. Uh, build wealth and, and sort of get yourself on on track for for time and financial freedom. Um, I'll quit, and I think that's sort of a, a good segue actually into the portion of the show where where we uh, where I'd like to ask you some questions. And the, and the first one is always you know sort of appropriate for the title of the podcast being "Know Your Why." So I think you you touched on a little bit, but but I'd like to maybe just dive in and see you know what is your why and and and. I recognize that uh, my why has changed over my life, and I've I've noticed that with a lot of my guests, it sort of start is it's it's a fluid thing. But what's what's your why uh, currently, and and maybe even if that's changed for you, uh, you can share that too. Well, I think that my why has always been my my family and and helping the people around me to to impact their lives, create great experiences. I, I actually recently read a book. Um, that that helped to affect that change it was uh the book was called die die with zero and um it was a great book and it helped to help me kind of rethink some of the things that i was doing but creating like amazing experiences for my family is one of of the whys the other why is helping to bring other people up like i was mentioning before is like give everybody a helping hand and and help them as much as i can i i cannot give people one-on-one -on -one time it's just not possible there's not enough of me to to go around but what i can do is create artifacts that are out there um that are uh, either physical like books or you know you know podcast or videos or things like that to help people to bring them uh, along too the thing is that what i what i've realized is that you can't you can't make people do it they have to want to do it and they have to they have to have the desire to do it and the why themselves to do it right if they don't have a big enough why they're not going to make a change right um you know usually change only occurs when there's something in your head that has caused you to make that change or something physical that you know that that makes you want to change if you, if you want to find your why go go to a graveyard and read the gravestones and see you know there's if if all you see between the gravestone is like the day somebody was born and the day they died and there was only a dash in between is that what you want like or or do you want something that's you know more powerful like um a loving husband you know made this change like what would you want on there right and figure figure that out for yourself so for me it's that uh you know creating great experiences for my family and and bringing other people up with me you know and and helping them to to create that for their families as well yeah that's that's actually a, a great point it's, yeah what what do you want it to say on your gravestone or what, what do you want people to say in your obituary you know that kind of how how do you want to be remembered what's your legacy and that's you know that it i think legacy is is twofold it's it is your immediately your immediate family right what have what have you done to to make sure that they're uh you know all set when when you're gone but but also your legacy out in the world as you mentioned you know your books as artifacts or you know whether it's that or or you know digital content is is obviously <laughs> very important at this point in in uh in in our 
times, but it's, it's a having, having something to, I don't even, I don't even know if it's, it's necessary to be remembered by, but just, you know, having something that, that you contributed to, to the, you know, the world that, that lives on after you. So um, very, very cool. Um, well, the, the next question is, tell us, tell us something about yourself that uh, maybe isn't common knowledge, you know, special skill, hobby, uh, something, you know, maybe something you're trying to, to, to add it to your, your skill set, but uh, anything that, that maybe isn't, isn't known by everybody. Um, I, I drive a truck. I, I'm not really like, I, I actually don't spend a lot of money. Like I'm not a big kind of showy type of person, right? I, I kind of just, I like my truck. I like to go camping. I like fishing. I like, um, you know, kind of just spending time with people and talking to people. Um, maybe the only thing I really think that's a little different is I like nice scotch <laughs> that's that's about it right uh but other than that i'm just a really simple person my my lifestyle is quite simple i do like to travel um but uh i i just don't have like um a really high-end lifestyle it i just kind of maintain what i've always been doing and you know i i do things i've got a lot more freedom than i've ever had i, I appreciate time freedom a location freedom thought freedom i don't like being told what to do and uh you know um, you know having my own business allows me to direct the, where i want to go and and how i want how i want it to go which is a lot different than where i was before so you know, th those are some of the things that I think make a, a difference for for me and, you know, um, probably something that people would never, you know, might think of me as something else than I than I am, you would never know my net worth. <laughs> if you, if you saw me, it, the you know, wherever I am. Yeah. yeah. What, what kind of truck? I also drive a truck. That's why I, I... a Ram 1500 eco diesel. It's, uh, you know, I got that tricked out a little bit. I've got, you know, little, like nice leather seats and sunroof and all the bells and whistles, but I, I love my truck and, you know, we throw all our stuff in the back and, you know, go fishing or camping or, or whatever and still have fun. Yeah, they're very, very convenient for doing, <laughs> just having a place to put everything I need to, <laughs> to do something and just throw it in the back. So yeah, no, I, I love my truck too. I, I, I'm the same. I don't, I don't want fancy cars. I don't want any of that. I just, I, I like the, as we said, you know, sort of that uh, legacy or artifact component of it, but I don't, it's experiences over objects, I think is really what it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. If I didn't have it, if I didn't have what I've built today, I could build it again and it would be fine. Like if I had to start over again, I could, it's not that I, I, I wouldn't know how to, I would, I, I would just you know, I would probably go bigger faster. That's the only thing that I would do because I would have less time. Right, right, exactly. Um, how, so when people hear this episode and we'll put whatever you want in the show notes, but uh, how would you like people to reach out to you if they're they're interested in, uh, you know, kind of learning more about what you're doing? Well, really the, the best way to get a hold of me is through uh, um, uh, going to uh, getrealwealthy.com. So if you go there or you, you send me an email at Quentin, Q-U-E-N-T-I-N at getrealwealthy.com. Or you can catch me on like, um, you know, I've got a link tree out there with uh, um, 
and you can kind of look at that or catch me on social media at like Instagram Qman REI or Twitter Qman REI is where I'm at there. Okay, sounds good. The final question is what what piece of advice would you leave for people that are, you know, maybe uh, back a few years when you were sort of getting started, what would you tell them to, you know, help motivate them, help them uh, hopefully achieve the great success that you have? I got it on my desk. Here we go. Oh, I don't know if you can see that. Well, it's getting, okay. so it's, yeah, it's basically, it's never, ever, ever, ever give up. I'm a very determined person. I'm not a good at, I'm not good at taking no as the answer, especially when it comes from uh, people of authority, <laughs> like, uh, you know, building inspectors or, you know, that, that um, politicians in particular. Um, you know, I think that it's important for us to continue to push as much as we can to, to do what needs to be done in the world and, you know, find a way to be able to do it. Don't give up. You know, um, if you if you have goals, you need to push yourself as much as possible to achieve those goals and never, ever, ever give up. Don't let somebody tell you it can't be done. Uh, it's just don't. There's too many, especially people who have never done it before. That's those are the worst to listen to. Um, you know, if you want to, if you want to to learn how to do something, learn it from somebody who's already done it. It's so much easier, right? You know, and and there are, are always ways to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard. I'm not even sure. You know, who originated this, or if if you know, it's just kind of a common commonly said thing. But I really like uh, the sentiment of people who people ahead of you sort of ahead of you in you know whatever that is you know wealth or whatever but people ahead of you will never you know sort of squash your dreams talk talk bad you know kind of have you know give give you negative feedback it's always the people that that aren't doing it haven't done it that are that are going to be the ones that the naysayers and tell you it can't be done and so it it you're absolutely right look look at someone who's who's done it someone who's who's there and just do what they did, or, you know, <laughs> sort of, it's, it's not, uh, it's not some secret recipe. It's, it's out there. You just have to, you just have to take action. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the key is to find somebody who's just a couple years ahead of you, not like 20 or 30 years, just because that, per that person is going to be the most willing to share, right? Uh, just one or two years ahead of you. And, and then that's it. Right. And that, that's the, the key because, then you get to where they are, then you find the person who's even further ahead, right? And, you know, and then you can, you can slowly build up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's great advice. Um, well, Quentin, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. This has been great. I uh, really, really appreciate it and enjoyed the conversation. Um, so, so thank you. No, you're welcome, Jason. All right. All right. Well, we're going to sign out for today. Have a good day, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.